Do freelance translators ever take time off? This and more in this week's Q&A, coming up. Hello and welcome back to the Freelanceverse. It's the 6th of December, so it's the first Monday this month, which means it's Q&A time. I actually wanted to film this outside today, like the last one in Morocco, but it turned out it's like 37 degrees colder than last time, so uh, I changed it to inside, it's better like this. As always, I took most of these questions from the last Q&A video, so if you want to be included in the next one, make sure to ask your questions down below in the comments. I will answer them and then uh, use them in the video again. I have a collection for today here on my phone. I'm gonna read them off and show them to you on the screen and then answer them. So since this is the last Q&A of the year, I, uh, the first question I included is a bit uh, different. It's not like translation specific, it's more personal. A uh, good friend of the channel, Lucas, he asked, Hayadi, I have a question for you. 2021 is slowly coming to an end. What was your professional highlight in 2021? Conference, project, freelance verse video, etc. Very nice question. Thank you very much, Lucas. I actually answered this by saying I'm not giving you an answer yet because he asked this like a few weeks ago or even a month ago. I told him I'm going to answer it in the video in December because maybe something happens in the meanwhile. So definitely one of the highlights this year has been this channel, the Freelance Wars channel, right? How the, the growth, how it's been going has been incredible. Uh, actually, last Christmas I had 500 subscribers and a good friend of me told me by, by next Christmas you will have 5,000. And I just laughed at him. I told him, there's no way I have a lot of more work to do until then. And now it looks like we will reach 8,000 by the end of the year. So that's, it's unbelievable numbers for me. I'm very happy, very grateful. Thank you for being the part of this throughout this year. And this actually shifted my mindset towards this channel quite a bit. I'm going to speak more on that in the last video of the whole year, where I do a, a yearly roundup like I did last year and also a lookout for the new year. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about the plans because I have big plans with this channel. I'm going to tell you more about this later. So this has definitely been a highlight and then through these videos, like the, my, my favorite videos on the channel are definitely the collaborations, things that I did with Antoine, with Zuzi, all the specialized episodes when I have different guests on the channel, also the one with Lucas, of course. Uh, yeah, these are very cool. They, they take a lot of effort, they take a lot of time. It's hard to organize people's time, but uh, they are a lot of fun to film because I'm not working alone, right? And then this channel led to a few different highlights. Uh, I spoke at the ITA conference in, in Tel Aviv. Uh, I was invited as an online panelist at uh, Language and Media. I was speaking at the Supertext Freelancer Convention. So a lot of things that never would have happened without this channel. So that's the Freelanceverse highlights. And then in terms of language business, what this was my highlight uh, there, I had a very stable year, very good year. I'm very happy with that. Found a few new clients and especially one very big one, very um, prestigious Swiss company. And I managed to Built a nice reputation with uh, with the PMs there, and I have now several times a month I have work from them, and I'm very happy about that. That's that's a great improvement for me, because I I mostly work with agencies, which I actually prefer. But of course, when a company like this comes along and I have an op opportunity to get in there, and it actually works out, that's of course a major highlight. Yeah, that's that. Next question. This one comes from Giselle. Dear Adrian, thank you very much for all the content you share with us. My source language is English and Italian. I would like to ask if you think it's necessary or good to have the C2 proficiency in both of them in order to have something meaningful to display on the curriculum, given that I am a beginner freelancer. 
I'm actually going to answer this with another question together because Patrick Wisdom also asked a, a similar, like a, a language level question. Uh, he said, since we talked last time, I started taking lessons with a tutor. I understand quite a bit, but there is still a lot I have to look up. And when I try to understand German texts, I'm wondering, do you think there are jobs I can get for translating at this level? Should I start trying to get some experience or should I focus on completing my German degree? Okay, so there are two kind of different angles. Giselle asks if she if she should get a C2 certificate and Patrick asks if B1 is already enough uh, to translate. In short, I want to say here that it doesn't matter that much these B1, C2 levels. Uh, no one will ever ask you about, about the certificate of like level of languages. Uh, if you apply to somewhere and if you have a translations degree, it's already implied that you have the necessary level. Uh, to Patrick, I actually answered B1 and the, the context that he described, that he still has to look up many words. Uh, I actually answered to him that it's probably best to still learn a bit more, maybe go to B2 before you offer actual professional services in it, right? But in terms of C2, I don't think it's needed, uh, Giselle, to get the C2 certification. You can, of course, I have them in English, but I've never ever shown them to anyone, right? I actually needed it to get into university, did I? I'm not sure, no, I think I needed C1. So if, if there are different hurdles that you need to take them in, in, in order to get into a course, then of course do it. But for professional services, you don't need anything. I think my French is probably around B2 level and uh, it's perfectly fine as a source language. Your source language doesn't ever have to be fluent. Next one, Ambrosio asks, Hi Adrian, love the video. I have a question of my own. I hope you can answer. There is this one channel I've been watching recently that I like a lot, who I'm planning on contacting to see if I could translate their videos to Spanish for work. Problem is the channel is not managed by a single person, but rather by a small organization. And this makes me really unsure about how to approach them. What would be an ideal way to contact them? Should I just start by saying I'm interested in doing translation work? Or, uh, and go from there, uh, when should I bring up prices, rates, and etc. Yes, so uh, I don't think it matters a lot whether it's a single person or an organization. I would approach them exactly the same way as you would me as well. Just reach out to them in an email. Uh, don't bring up prices yet because that's not necessary in the beginning. Just say uh, you've, you've seen their content, you would be interested in providing a professional translation services for them to, to reach a broader audience, maybe explain to them why this is important for them, what they can expect from your target market, if there is a specific need for this product, information, service, whatever they offer, right? And just make a good case for you, keep it informal, write an email. If they respond and they are interested, then you can start negotiating and you can tell them what you would offer. Um, but that's probably the best way. Yeah. Just keep it light and, and easy going. Next up is a question from Torstein. Uh, how do you deal with your regular clients when you go on vacay? I feel like a lot of clients expect you to be re ready every day, even though they text you like once a month. Any tips? Uh, I, I hear some frustration in there, Torsten. I, uh, I mean, you know, I, I had to learn this in the in the beginning as well. Like you, you feel like you have to be there all the time. You're not replaceable, but you are. Like everyone is replaceable, right? So at this point in my career, what I do simply. I put on a, a out of office um, automatic reply in my email. Of course, I tell all my big clients in the beginning. Uh, for some clients, we have like a system where you have to log in your, your invoice, um, your invoices, your, your days off. Uh, for the smaller clients, I just send them an email or I already have it in my signature usually a few weeks ahead when I know that I will be off. 
and then I just go on vacation and just have my out of office order in there. Uh, that's not a big deal because everyone needs to take time off, right? But what I do recommend when you're just starting out, it's really important. Or what I did in the beginning, and it really helped me to get uh, to get find to find clients and to get to get stuff off the ground. I was working when other people took vacation. So I would make sure that I would work during the Christmas days between Christmas and New Year. I don't do that none anymore now. I finish on the 17th of December and I will start in January again. But in my first two years, I worked in this time and there were a lot of emails coming in from random people just saying, hey, we need you urgently, can you help out? And that's because a lot of people are on vacation, right? So if you can do it, if you have capacity mentally, physically, uh, work in these times in the beginning, uh, summer holidays, uh, New Year's, Christmas is a very good one. If you work then, it, chances are, and you are, of course, all the profiles is done, people can actually find you. And chances are that people will, will, come, will come to you because you're actually available. If you're then there, if you can get into the system at this specific time, uh, chances are great that you will stick and you will uh, continue to get jobs, right? This happened for me multiple times that people just wanted me for this one specific project and then I was in the system and I ended up being a long-time collaborator with them. But yeah, don't be afraid to just take time off and don't give anyone your like WhatsApp or something because that's, I did that once and it's not, it's not a good idea because then they text you anytime. I have two work-related WhatsApp groups. I just mute them when I'm off. Uh, otherwise, yeah, take your time. You need to, you need to recover. I definitely take like, I don't know, maybe 30, 30 to 40 days off a year. Usually not in like big blocks, only like once or twice a year I take bigger blocks. Uh, I prefer to just take, be flexible and take sometimes a day off or make it a longer weekend, etc. But yeah, usually like, I think last year it was 35 days. I think this year will be a bit more. Next up, uh, Ulrich Sop, very active member of the community. Okay, thanks dear Adrian for this beautiful video. My question would be, is it really possible to live with the job of translation, knowing that there are now a lot of scammers in the industry? Are you doing another job other than translation to make money? Thanks dear Adrian, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the question. Uh, you can definitely live off of it. Yes, there are multiple examples, uh, me included, that prove that you can uh, make a good living uh, out of translation and not only you know, you don't only want to make just a living, you don't want to just survive, right? You want to build a business, you want to be able to save money, invest money, do some stuff with your money. Uh, so yeah, you can actually have a, a, a nice, sustainable, profitable business with translation. You have to uh, be patient, you have to be creative, try to follow as many steps that I try to uh, that I try to present to you as possible. Uh, it's not easy, it's not working for everyone, I know. You need this little tiny bit of luck, but you can force the luck, I'm convinced. And then of course, once you have once you have this established and actually make a profit from your business, then you can think about putting your money to work. So it actually works for you in return, right? So I have, I have several uh, different income streams, uh, passive and active ones. And now YouTube is also becoming one uh, that's kind of half passive, half active, because of course I make the video and it's quite a lot of effort, but the, the backlog of videos is then online forever, right? Or at least um, as long as YouTube exists and it will generate income forever, right? So yeah, I have a few income streams, but my, my main active profession is translation business, yes. Or language business, let's call it that way. And we have the last one, I think, from DP. 
Oh yeah, this was actually a very recent question. I think this came in yesterday and I told this person, him or her, I'm not sure, uh, that I will answer this in the video. So I didn't actually give an answer yet. Hi Adrian, great video as always. I have a question regarding digi digital skills for aspiring translators. What are the essential digi digital skills, <laughs> I struggle to say this, a translator should possess in your opinion? I am planning to apply for a master's in translation in a couple of years. And since I don't have any particular digital skills certifications, I was wondering how to remedy that and make myself a better candidate. Of course, and of course, translator. For example, is a basic certification like ECDL any useful or necessary? I don't know what ECDL is, but I am assuming a informatics certification, right? Or should I look into something a bit more specialized? Very interesting question. I've never thought about this actually before. Uh, I don't think you need very in-depth digital skills to be a translator, to be honest. What I had, I had a very basic IT test to go into my translator's degree, like an entry exam. It was very easy. Um, and I, like based on your message, I'm not sure how old you are, but I think you are still quite young. So you also grew up with computers, with devices around you, right? And if you have this kind of uh, born native knowledge, you will be fine like as a translator you need to learn a few tools uh, to work with but you learn them on the job anyways and if you're just familiar with different os with different uh, operating systems uh, it won't be any problem you don't need unless of course you specialize in it like i do then you need some kind of degree some kind of accreditation of higher education that you actually can prove that you know stuff about it computers hardware software uh, but if you don't specialize in this don't worry about that, you will be perfectly fine. So this ECDL that you mentioned, let me look it up quickly before I say something wrong. The European Computer Driving License. Interesting. Okay, I guess we don't have this in, in Switzerland. So you do this in school, I assume, or, or in like the, the next level after mandatory school. Uh, so yeah, if you have this, you're perfectly fine because apparently you can then uh, drive a computer. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but uh, it's a funny word. Anyways, yeah, with this you're perfectly fine, don't worry about that. There you go, what is the time saying? Oh yeah, already 20 minutes recorded, so I'm gonna cut this down to a sizable video that you can actually comprehend and digest. I don't want to make them longer than 20 minutes for sure. I hope you enjoyed this. Make sure to ask your questions for the February Q&A already next year uh, down below. I hope I get this out on Monday. I'm not, there are some technical issues at the moment, but uh, if it's out, great. Otherwise it came out on Tuesday anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, thanks for watching. I see you next Monday with the next video. Bye bye.